all rise and welcome to Comedy Convictions. In the dock today is our plaintiff, Jade Gebby. For those of you who don't know how the podcast works, Jade's job is simple. She has to convince myself, Judge Puller, and no, that's not a euphemism, that her chosen episode of Spaced best showcases a programme. To give some context to our jury, Space tells the story of two 20-something Londoners who, despite having only just met, decide to move in together. The show starred Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson and ran for two successful series between 1999 and 2001. Jade has chosen Gatherings as her episode. <laughs> Jade, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very confident, I must say. Very confident. Uh, And uh, Jade isn't alone in her corner, uh, as is her right. She is joined by her defence counsel, Caitlin Vine. Hello, that's me. I'm joint counsel. How are you doing, Caitlin? I'm good. I'm good. I'm psyched. I I just rewatched the episode. I'm fresh on it. Brilliant. And prosecuting today's episode is Carl Beecher. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling, Carl? I'm confident. I'm psyched. I'm ready to go. Thank you for asking, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> About time. Some respect around here. <laughs> Point to me. Thank you. Yes. Uh, okay. So we're going to start today's proceedings uh, by asking Jade. Firstly, what does spaced mean to you? Uh, well, spaced to me means cool, which might be a bit strange because I know it's like a in quote unquote nerdy geeky thing but to me when I first watched Spaced I must have been 16 or 17 and I just thought they seemed like the coolest people ever and all I wanted was to live in a flat in London have a really close group of mates and just like hang out drink alcohol go to the pub smoke cigarettes and just just Spaced is like it's so weird and this maybe shows the listeners what my kind of style and aspirations are but for me it was quite an aspirational tv show which I know probably is absolutely ridiculous but it's like I aspire to be like these people I just thought it was super cool and this was around the time as well space was around the time I started getting into like finding my own comedies rather than you know comedies that like your parents have shown you and stuff before spaced like a few years before I got really into like um the mighty boosh but then I would say space was like the next one that I really got into um so for me it's like my formative sitcom years like this is one that I found it I don't even know if my parents have watched it whereas everything before it was because it was on the tv you know and let's just open that out. So, Caitlin, what were your kind of initial uh, findings with Spaced? Uh, well, I think I, I did. Uh, I did watch the pilot. Watch the pilot first, which was good. I mean, I think it gave some context. But I do have to say that I liked the second episode better. Uh, so it's helpful that I that I am on the defense. <laughs> but no, I really like the fact that it is super nerdy. The swift cuts. Um, it, it. You could tell that at that time as well. Um, you know, I was quite young, but I think Jade, I was in the same kind of category that you were, where I was kind of making my own comedic choices, I guess, in terms of what I was watching. Um, and the, the characters themselves, yeah, they're super relatable. The London lifestyle. If I had watched, although to be fair, if I had watched Spaced 
while I was in the States at that time, I would have wanted to be them as well. I would have wanted to live in London and done the thing and like had the cigarettes out of my mouth and, you know, been living with somebody that I barely knew. I did that though in, in Brooklyn. It was a different outcome, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say though, I really, really liked it. And I love the fact that it was, uh, I love that it's super nerdy. What about yourself, Carl? Have you ever lived in London? <laughs> uh, I'm actually a Londoner born and bred, you see, as you can probably tell from my accent. Um, well, I, I'm old enough to remember Spaced, you know, from the first time around. I'm, I was at school. When, well, I was just about to leave school when it first came out. Um, and somebody, uh, I saw it on TV and then uh, someone lent me the box set when I was at university. So I've did a lot, I watched it quite a lot, you know, 20 years ago, and then I haven't really seen it since. Um, and so I've kind of gone, I've had to dive back into it for the, for this recording. And I, I, I've always loved it. I don't like being the prosecution for this because I, I think it's a great show and it's, um, I can't think of a show before it that was really quite so nerdy, um, nerdy in the sense of, you know, it's, it's, a show where the main guy loves sci-fi and movies and he loves movie references and things like that. And that was me growing up. So um, I really identified with the main guy, Tim. Um, and yeah, so that's what, that's kind of what it means to me. So, so your observations are more going to be like, you don't like the paint colors or, or the <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. I might be like, I could maybe pick flies. I, well, in theory, I could pick flies on the references, but I mean, like these are these references are made by you know people who are even bigger movie nerds than me so there are no flies on them you know they're perfect morning darling i've made you breakfast did you sleep all right um yeah yeah I, yeah I, I had a really weird dream did you be yeah i, I dreamt you chucked me and uh, i moved in with a girl i hardly knew <laughs> i chucked you yeah <laughs> how's it <laughs> okay so i'm going to start off proceedings by asking yourself jade why did you choose this episode basically with this episode i was torn between um two and basically with with space there i mean i've seen it more recently than carl has but i haven't re-watched it for maybe like five years or so even though i have the dvds at home and it's on like all that is on Netflix and everything. I haven't watched it in a few years, but there's like two episodes particularly. I mean, there's lots of episodes that I remember certain bits and really funny aspects, but two episodes that I always really loved is one where they go clubbing, which I think is in like episode four or five of series one. Um, that, oh, there's another one where they go to the pub and get in a fight, which is in series two. And then there's this episode that I picked. I was like, oh, I'll rewatch those episodes and then decide which one I think is best for this podcast. And I was actually rewatching this one and I decided actually this is the one that I'm going to bring because not only do I think it's like a super funny episode and it's got a really great, like it's a great sitcom structure and everything. Not only does it do that, but for the fact that with this, we want to bring an episode that would encourage someone to watch the show. And like, it's kind of like if someone's never seen it, they could watch this one to get them into the show. And this one I feel it really like really succinctly like 
describes all the characters it describes the setup of like not just like the situation but like what's happened in the episode before in like the pilot and it does it in such a way as well that it's not really clunky like it's really smooth and watching it after about five years and having like gotten into sitcom writing in that time I was just like kind of like blown away by how smoothly they managed to like recap the last episode and like introduce all the characters without it being like really forced like it felt like supernatural it was oh well, not supernatural it felt <laughs> really natural <laughs> I feel like it, with this sitcom I can't say supernatural because they have so many like alien references and stuff <laughs> like that but yeah that's basically why I picked it and I just think it's like a funny I just it just makes me laugh this episode as well so there's that too do you concur, Carl? The, the the good thing about it is, I mean, you could charitably say it as, as an episode, it takes its time and it eases you into things. Um, and on the other hand, you know, you've had, you've already had a pilot episode in order to introduce things. And we're on episode two now and you're kind of still introducing things. You, you're bringing new characters in and you're not they don't get much to do but on, on the, the good thing about it is you know the 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 plot of the episode is they're trying to throw a party and in the party you get to meet people and learn about them and you know see what they're like and all the characters play off each other um but you know the convention would be that you get most of that done in the first episode um so ideally you tell you know the first episode you know, tell you, know, you get the introduction and you tell a story, and in the second episode, we're, you know, we're kind of still introducing characters. How do you feel about that, Kate? Then is it a difficult second album syndrome? Well, oddly enough, okay, I think that I see your point, Carl. Uh, I'm hearing you, I'm receiving you, and I'm acknowledging <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, but at the same time, I had been thinking to myself, Jade, when you were saying why you picked it, um, that. After watching the pilot and then the second episode, I think I I'd argue that you can scrap the pilot and add in one additional scene to like pick up the pace, move one additional scene to the second episode. And that would be even better than the pilot because you're still introducing characters. I mean, I think the scene that's in the um, pilot for the listeners that. Uh, might not know is there's a a great scene that basically gives you all the exposition and the dynamic and where the two main characters are coming from and um you know under the guise of they now have to pretend to be a couple to get this flat so they need to know all of this stuff about each other so they introduce each other to all of their inner workings great that's probably the only scene that i think you would have to weasel your way into this so that people see why they're there but at the same time I think you could, this could serve as a pilot episode 100% because you do meet all of the characters. No one really has to do all that much. Um, And I think so far of what I've seen of the episodes, none of them really have to carry that much narrative forward. Correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen all of them, obviously, but none of them really seem to have to carry that much narrative forward. So I guess introducing a bunch of characters in this episode wouldn't then necessarily be a problem. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Cool. Jade, do, do you think that this second episode could act as a pilot? 
Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I really liked the pilot episode, but one thing that I think and um, we've sort of discussed previously is like, so actually something that I heard, so I heard it on the radio today. Um, I was listening to Six Music and Ricky Gervais was on there talking about his new sitcom. And he was saying, he was talking about writing his new stand-up show. And he was saying how it was hard to go back to that because he had to think of like a beginning, middle and end. Whereas with a sitcom, it's basically all middle. Like it's all like you start, you, you start quick, like you get straight into it. Like something that we're always taught on our course is like, how how quickly can you get into a scene like if someone's walking to their car well why doesn't it start with them opening the doors to the car like that kind of thing so with that in mind like I definitely think that actually if they did do away with like the first episode and this was the pilot one and the first episode I think you would get everything out of it that you need like yes there's funny bits that would be a shame to miss from the first one like there's loads of funny bits in it but like I just think the opening where Tim wake well, Tim's having a dream and he goes in and there's his ex-girlfriend and they have that conversation where she's like, he's like, oh, I had an awful dream that I was living with someone I didn't, you broke up with me and we were living with someone that I didn't know. And then obviously we find out it's a dream and that is the truth. Like that explains, basically explains everything that we need to know like that. And then like he was saying, Carl, all the introductions to all the characters, We've kind of had before because even though it's the first time we properly, I think we properly meet Mike and Twist. I'm pretty sure in the in the pilot, Tim mentions about Mike and Daisy mentions about Twist because I remember there's a funny bit where where Daisy says Twist works in fashion and then it cuts to Twist working in a dry cleaners and that's yeah, like her yeah, introduction. Yeah. Your point is right, Carl, but then instead of it being an issue on this episode it's like maybe we just don't even need the first episode i'll bet that you could maybe combine the first two episodes trim them mm. and then the first half is episode one and the second half you know after the break they come back and they decide to throw a party mm. and then yeah. you know the, all the people come around because like um you know you could introduce like um what's the guy brian the uh, is it brian the yeah. artist mm. um he He's so great. Everybody yeah, so needs he, a Brian. So he's, I can't quite remember what they do with him in the first episode. Not much, really. Mm. But you could then combine that. You know, the, the first time you see it would be at the party in the second half. Mm. And he would be the one that deduces, oh, wait a minute, these two aren't a couple. Just let's talk a little bit about the actual specific episode. Mm. So do you want to talk talk us through Act One, Jade? Uh, yeah so act one obviously they have that opening that we mentioned about as like a cold open and it's all like dreamy and then um, we find out that Tim isn't still with his ex he's broken up and he's living with Daisy um, well we we don't know Daisy at that point we just know that he's living in a, a flat share with someone he hardly knows but yeah the first act is I think really good as well again like if we were going back to our idea of if this was the first episode like instantly I think we just know the characters and obviously it's a bit hard to say as someone who's seen you know seen this multiple times for like a half my life really um or over half my life if I was about 15 but um I feel like you just get the characters straight away Tim I'm really trying to work what are you telling me for well I I can't concentrate with this mess I just I think it's time we unpacked well I have unpacked have you 
they're both working from home, which is obviously very relatable at the moment, but they're like both sort of in artsy kind of things. So Tim's working hard doing his sketching. And then we just instantly know like Daisy is trying to be a writer, but really struggling with it. And she's trying to find like any way out. So like she wants to unpack, she wants to write a cleaning rotor, then they get to the party in a bit. Um, But I think it's such a funny, this episode as well for me just showed how funny Jessica Stevenson is. Like she was just like her and um, Simon Pegg together are just great. But, you know, Simon Pegg's obviously, I mean, they're both very successful, but Simon Pegg's obviously gone on to be like an international name. But in this, he's like the straight guy and Jessica Stevenson is like the clown. She's the the sort of silly clownish character. What's your opinion on the, the first act, Caitlin? I like the pacing of act one. I think it's really fun. I think that that initial, uh, the initial nightmare sequence is is a really great opener i think and it sets a lot of the tone for um yeah for for the exposition of where he came from and then uh just the surreal nature of it um the one question that i have actually jade um Mm. that i wrote down was so daisy asks about she's procrastinating with her writing Mm. and she switches gears because she wants to unpack things Mm. And he's like, well, I've unpacked everything already in my room. She's like, what? And then she goes to open the door and this bright, shining light comes out. Mm. The same, spoiler alert, uh, bright, shining light that comes out at the end. What am I missing with that? I don't think that they're the same shining light. So at the okay. end, I, I, well, this is what I think. And maybe Carl could correct me because this is something that we'll speak about in a moment about like references and stuff. But like, I'm not sure exactly where all the references are, but like the last one, I that I think is sort of like a an X-Files sort of like otherworldly alien. Whereas I think like when she opens the room, it's probably a reference to another film that I'm not aware of, of like, oh, like a- angelic, like, oh like it's so clean this is angelic so i i always saw them as they're not like the same okay thing they're like two different references but maybe carl as our resident um sort of one that might get the references might know (laughs) i I think the the final light near the end is a reference to close encounters of the third kind right yeah yeah yeah. Mm. But the first light coming from his room, I think, is just basically, isn't it just his room is so wonderfully tidy and clean and it's it's like angelically wonderful. Mm. Okay, so cool. Making sure I didn't miss something there, because that's how I inferred it. I inferred that it was two different things. And then as we've been talking about nerdy references, I was like, maybe this is one I didn't know. Um, but yeah, so act one, I think it really sets the scene. Um, I think it draws you into the characters. It presses all the buttons. It hits a lot of good pacing in there. Um, it sets up, I think also it's, it does a really great job of setting up his nature with not a lot of dialogue, you know, Mm. where he's, he's not annoying. He's not a pain. He's not a slob. He's not, um, you know, he's not anything definitive or, or stereotypical in that sense. Nothing that you would want to paint on him. But also, so, like, really he like gets annoyed fact. quite easily at, like, her yeah. being annoying. So it's quite good to see his reaction to her. It's like, yeah, God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I like the beginning quite a bit. And I think that flashback is great. And they tick all of the boxes of, 
I think what you would even want, I'm coming back to the pilot thing again. That's where I'm almost resting my case on is mm-hmm. I think that it takes most of the boxes that you would want from a pilot opening. Paul, does the story get up and running for yourself? Oh, it does. Um, but with my prosecutorial hat on, <laughs> it, takes his, it takes his time a little bit. You should see his hat um, as well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> There's a feather involved. Yeah. He's also operating with a quill. I didn't know you were writing anything, Carl. What <laughs> you multitasking? But I'll try to be fair. So there's there's great stuff in that in that first what six minutes. Um, you know, so you have Daisy procrastinating, um, which I'm sure none of us identify with. You know. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, she needs to write something, but she can't write. And so, of course, she writes not something she can sell, but she writes a rotor. Which is <laughs> I think she's still procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even um, pretend like I haven't done that three times in the past week and this week oh, has yeah. been three days long <laughs> it's like you write a rotor and then two days later you think i should do a second draft of the rotor <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't worked for me the past two days and i think it also flags up is this the first hint at sexual tension between the two characters yeah i think so as well and um yeah i don't think they have that in the in the first episode but i do think you're right as much as i love this I, one thing I'll just quickly say is I was surprised when I rewatched it. I was like, wow, it's like six, seven minutes. And they haven't actually mentioned the party yet. Yeah, I was quite I surprised. Checked <laughs> I checked and it was six and a half minutes mm. I've got written here. as like the inciting incident, mm. um, which, you know, you, when you think of le- leaner sitcoms, where, you know, like an American sitcom, that has to be 22 minutes, six like and a half minutes, you're halfway into act two by then. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you could have trimmed it a bit, but I, I suspect that they didn't really want to because there's not that much plot. Yeah. It's like yeah. if you yeah. trim it, there's not much left. So, but I'm, I'm still fine with that. Listen, I've got an idea. What? It's something I think you're going to like. I've got to be getting on with this. It's important, Daisy. Trust me. Mm. I'm glad we did that. We had to, really. Mm. It was inevitable, you know. I'm just glad we did it sooner rather than later. I think they would have been a hell of a lot of tension if we'd left any longer. You're telling me. What should we do now? I think we should descale the teapot. Filthy bitch. You love it. But, you know, like the, the, the little, like the sexual tension thing is flagged up and it's, mm. you know, Tim, like, pulls her to one side and says, look, Daisy, we better get this over and done with. It's mm. hanging over us. We've got to do this. <laughs> and then they end up like lying on, out of breath on the floor together. And they're like, they've, they've cleaned up the house. I think we should descale the teapot. <laughs> Which is just great. Filthy bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that joke so much. That's one that I wrote down from the first act that I really liked. And also one bit that really makes me laugh and I don't know if it can even be classed as a joke but it just makes me laugh so much it was is when Daisy goes the cutting edge and she like pulls her trousers out and then um like uh Tim's face is just like what the fuck is she doing it's just like those little things just make me laugh so much in that oh there's a great little um, thing in the in the first act which which creased me up is when Daisy says when Daisy's like feeling guilty for procrastinating and says to Tim so so what are you doing 
And he's got it's like two items on his list. He says, yes, I've got to draw this thing for so-and-so. And then I've got to it and she goes, all right, all right. <laughs> can I ask you a question, Carl? You can ask. Did you just say creased me up? Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Made oh, you is laugh. that one that's passed Ooh. you by for the last few years? Does anyone it else is, say that? Indeed, it has yeah. passed by yeah. my way. <laughs> oh, it just it just means it makes me piss myself. Oh, so it's not just like a giggle. In a, and in it's a, a little more sense. than a laugh. It's a, I've <laughs> yeah. straight up soiled myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just a, a little kind of, uh, we're going to take a little detour for a second. So the, the episode is directed by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. whose, uh, you know, list of films that he went to kind of uh, direct include Hot Fuzz, uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Baby Driver, and the particular episode has a very particular style. How do you think his kind of directorial eye has elevated the episode? Um, I'll start with yourself, Jade. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would imagine that how, and I would actually quite like to take a look through at the, the like scripts and stuff. But I imagine that Jessica and Simon Pegg probably like, just wrote like obviously they didn't write all the like cuts and stuff like that in unless they maybe then did a draft with Edgar Wright and kind of because they're such good friends like he obviously had quite an input but I definitely think like he really you know like Caitlin mentioned about all those fast like cuts and maybe even like I obviously I don't know this and it might be something that I might look into but Maybe he was the one that came up with the idea of like, oh, we could do flashbacks, which is such a big thing in space. Like, like maybe, I don't know, but I imagine he added quite a lot to it because it's not like, say, for example, like Peep Show, just for example, that was written by Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain, but I don't know who directed it. Like that's, I'm sure they're very successful directors, but that's not, they're not like, people that I'm aware of whereas Edgar Wright's obviously become massive so it's like I feel like he must have had quite a big sort of part to do with it and the fact that they're all such good friends. Caitlin do you see uh do you see his style in spaced um with his in relation to his other films his later films have you seen any of his other films? Uh yeah so I've seen I was just pulling them up now so Last Night in Soho, I haven't seen yet. Baby Driver, that is massively triggering. Uh, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> versus the World, though. Freaking love that movie. Um, yeah, but I could. I can see some similarities there. I think, I know it's a bit broad to just say the swift cuts. I wish I, I, wish I had more words to describe it. But I think it's also that he has swift cuts into different high angle, low angle, different filters. Like, it's not just, it's not just the timing or the pacing of it it's actually brings you to different like physical points of view, not like emotional points of view, but he definitely switches between visual physical points of view um, for the audience, which I think is really, I think it's really exciting. And especially at that time, it wasn't something that was happening, obviously. And, and Carl, you must hate the work of Edgar Wright <laughs> contractually. <You must. laughs> not at all. I love Edgar Wright. <laughs> Um, no, it's 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 a very dynamic and it's quite movie-like for 
a mm. TV sitcom. This is obviously directed by someone who wants to make movies. You can yes, movie like that's a good way to put it. <clears throat> and I think it's worth remembering how unusual it was at the time. I mean, you can't remember because you were all babies at the time, but I was <laughs> I was already an old man in 1990. <laughs> you had a decent the, retirement plan saved exactly, away. Exactly, I was two years from retirement. You know, I was getting too old for this shit. <laughs> and uh, so the things we were watching in the 90s, you know, Only Fools and Horses and Vicar of Dibley, things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, fantastic shows, but the style was very different. Mm -hmm. The closest, I think, stylistically I can think of, just off the top of my head, was maybe Father Ted as a kind of cartoony live yeah. action thing. But mm -hmm. even that was fairly, um, you know, in, in terms of framing and, and style, it was still quite conventional, um, you know, even though it was quite, you know, uh, cartoony. Um, but this, you know, all of a sudden you've got the, you know, the, all the different cuts and, um, um, and um, sound effects and um, very unusual um, framing and things like that. It's, it's, it really stood out at the time. It's very clinical, isn't it? There's no kind of wasted opportunity. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's very. I feel as well that I think that it's always quite clear generally to get when they're doing like a reference so the way that he shoots it is like you know when something's a reference to something even if you don't get the reference you know oh that bit is referring to an old western or an old this or that or you know that kind of thing and I think that's obviously a directional kind of decision as well where should I put my coat uh, don't worry Put it in Tim and Daisy's room. Act two. So, Jay, tell us what happens with Act two. So they've decided to put on the party. And so um, Daisy, for some reason that I can't, I mean, I feel like I relate quite a bit to Daisy, but I wouldn't make this decision of deciding to have the party on the same day. So for some reason, she's <laughs> yeah. determined to have the party on the same day that, that she's planned. It. And it's already 12 o'clock because we've seen the, the clock from her procrastinating. So it's already 12 o'clock and she decided we're having a party tonight and she wants it to be like, Warhol's factory with all media types and stuff <laughs> um, so she goes upstairs to ask Marsha their landlady and Amber mm. who um, is like the kind of Maris Wilson-esque character in space where we always hear of her and we hear her a lot shouting and screaming but we never ever see her um, so Daisy goes off to see Marsha and so we get introduced to her and then um Tim goes to ask Brian so we get introduced to him and we also kind of find a bit out about their like weird kind of strange <laughs> relationship slash potential like deal that Brian is doing something to pay for his rent. <laughs> well that's the thing I, 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 I could never dynamic. quite work out yeah I could never work out is she like when she when she drops innuendos are there innuendos about she's trying to get with him or is she hinting at things they've already done i think from having seen it all i'm pretty sure later on it becomes revealed very briefly that something has happened in the past 
Right. And I think it might be something to do with the rent. Um, okay. <laughs> but then, like, it, nothing's happening anymore. But she really, like, fan- she just keeps wanting to get with him. Like, she's really into him and, like, obsessed with him. And yeah. he obviously is not into her from his reactions. <laughs> this part is uh, is also probably my favorite line of the whole episode. <laughs> Where Marsha refers to her teenage daughter as the devil in an egg cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The accent adds to it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great introduction into those two characters as well. Like Amber is such a strong character, even though we never actually see her. Um, like again, instantly we know what their relationship is because she throws like <laughs> a shoe at her mom and we just see the shoe flying past. Do you um, ever meet her in, in other episodes, in later episodes? No, you just hear her. You never okay. never meet her. Or, or like sometimes you, like there's one time where she's running out of the flat and you see like her shoes running down the stairs, but you never see more of her. Okay. Oh, um, do you know who did the voice for Amber? No. It was Jessica Stevenson. Oh, really? Oh, cool. <laughs> that's why oh, I Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's a bit like how... Um, Daisy Mae Cooper did the voice for her mum in yeah. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. this country. <laughs> um, there's a lot of kind of daft dialogue, but played completely naturalistically, which mm. I think works really well with the episode. Um, one example I can think of at the top of my head is uh, when Simon Pegg's character says, uh, they're talking about who's going to come to the party. And Jessica Stevenson's uh, saying about her friend and he says, oh, is she fit? And she's like, yeah. She ran a marathon last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for fashion aid. Is <laughs> yeah. she ran a marathon for fashion aid. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's so, so many I hope great they bits. got the help they needed. <laughs> and um, she sets up, oh, she, they set up like some long running jokes that pop back in. Like um, there's a bit where, well, actually this doesn't happen quite yet, but when we meet Mike, like they have a flashback to them sitting in a tree and young Mike has like a massive moustache and that comes back in like loads of the episodes. And also um, there's another one that gets set up as well. That Oh, Brian's painting, when he describes his styles of painting and it flashes when he's saying like anger, disappointment oh, so and it good. flashes, that comes up a lot whenever people ask him in future episodes, oh, what kind of things do you paint? It always has that bit and I like yeah. that. So it kind of sets those running gags up. It's so great. I, I do love that. It's fantastic. But you know what? Come to think of it, I don't remember how they did it in the pilot, but I do remember... I think it must have been very similar, but I'd be interested to know if in the pilot, when they do that for the first time, if it's the same shots that they use the second time around, or or if it's just different angles. I think it's the same. Mm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure every time it comes up, it's like literally the same thing. The tree one Good. changes, but I think That's the, what I wanted. the painting <laughs> one is the same, which just makes it funnier to me. <laughs> Carl, were you satisfied with actor... With what, sorry? With act, act with act two. Act two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's more okay. in act two than because I feel like the party is also act two as well. It was quite hard to split them up into acts, I think. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is that um it's it's hard really to 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 like you say, it's to split into like where's the dividing point between act two and act three mm. like where does where does the protagonists uh plans all fall apart and there's a resolution i mean th- there isn't really 
Um, so it's like the rest of the episode is a kind of like like a, 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 a like a mishmash into until until the end, really. Mm. Do you do you feel that it builds towards the kind of crux of the episode, or is it a gentle simmer? It, yeah, it's it's quite a gentle. It's not. I mean, there's what what do you, I mean? If you were to say that it escalates, what escalates apart from the party being a, a failure? <laughs> yeah. <kind of> crap. <laughs> Tim's frustration. It, it, yeah, exactly. The party just keeps getting crapper and crapper. Um, yeah, it's true. It's like the music of the party kind of denotes. <laughs> how bad it gets that's why like, is there tinfoil jumping the, frog that song is so funny and you won't spoil round even round the rubber ducks why, why? Is, is that why something is to do with aliens oh yeah tinfoil hats i suppose maybe i just thought it was a cheap way of having decorations that you just okay. put foil around stuff but I don't yeah, know. it feels like a, a student kind of party <laughs> sort of because she comes out quite quick with that doesn't it she's like oh and we can have a foil glitter ball that i'll <laughs> make myself right now yeah <laughs> for the party tonight caitlin are you, uh, what are your thoughts on act two uh yeah I, I i'll agree with carl in that it isn't much of your stereotypical you know conventional i'll say rather than stereotypical uh your conventional escalation uh, I think, yeah, the main escalation really just comes in the in the form of music, I guess, because they've got time warp, and then you have this really cool, it, it, like, device where everybody gives their opinion of time warp <laughs> <laughs> by saying time warp in their respective, you know, responses. Um, so you've got time warp, and then you've got uh, the progression of songs over the next couple of minutes as things are going on. Uh, but I think my favorite bits about Act Two, and correct me if I'm wrong, because now I'm questioning where the line is between Act One and Act Two. But hey, it's our podcast. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's where we say it is. But I like the uh, some of my notes that I wrote down. Uh, mashed potato plateau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Burrill. Um, and anyone, I think also anyone that's that was watching that at the time can resonate with making a mashed potato plateau or some other kind of, you know, earthly stature with it. Um the the fact that uh what's his name brings a landmine. <laughs> oh Mike. <laughs> yeah. Mike brings the landmine. <laughs> and I forget exactly, I wish I wrote it down, but I forget exactly the words that everybody <laughs> in the way he hands it over, like, oh hey, yep, I brought a landmine. it's just like whatever the words are exactly that he says are just so like finite and to the point Um, and no one questions it it's about being a ta yeah Yeah, start at the bottom longest way up but (laughs) (laughs) oh time warp oh time warp oh time warp this point is so rubbish just a quick meander away from the episode for uh, I just want to know personally what is the worst possible song to come on at a party for you so I'll give you just a second to think oh god what would make uh... you walk from the dance floor and sit back down oh god uh not much I don't think James Blunt 
(laughs) (laughs) You're Beautiful by James Blunt. So, yeah, I've got one. Or maybe anything by Josh Groban. Okay. So, Carl, they've wheeled you onto the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) Your tartan blanket on your back. (laughs) Fresh tissues up your sleeve. Um, let me think. I think when I when I was young, um, they would have like Glenn Miller on the dance floors. Jerry <laughs> Vale. I can't stand Glenn Miller. <laughs> A question to you, Jade, and obviously I will go to uh, both Caitlin and Carl for their respective opinions. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you need to be a nerd to understand Spaced? As I'm such a cool dude. No, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I know everyone just laughs at even the thought of that. Um, but no, I, so as I mentioned, I started watching this when I was sort of like 15, 16. And obviously it depends what I think people can be nerds of different things. Obviously there's like music theater geeks and there's like literature geeks and stuff like this, but this is very like traditional nerd nerd culture, you know, like sci-fi and Star Wars and all of that. That isn't things that I ever have really been into. And now that I'm older, I'm like now really into horror, which has kind of got me into sci-fi and things like that. But at the time it wasn't something that I was really like, aware of I didn't read like comic books and things like that um I mean I was aware of them you know obviously I knew who like Superman was but I don't know like the whole like universe of it and stuff like that so personally I don't think that you have to be because I think everything in it either makes sense where like say for example there's a bit where Brian like Brian figures out that Daisy and um, Tim aren't a couple and Marsha comes in just as they like say it and then she's like oh where should I put my coat and um, <clears throat> and people's coats have been put into Daisy's room so oh well why aren't they sharing a room and that's how Brian figures it out and then Brian takes it and he's like I'll take it for you and then the Magnificent Seven theme like yeah. plays and he's like <laughs> uh, like a saviour like cowboy because he's got his leather sort of waistcoat on and That actually is a reference that um, I was aware of. But I think that like that, even if you're not aware of it, it's just funny that he's like, so their references, I think, stand alone and are funny most of the time. And I think they're kind of under, like you kind of get it. Like, okay, that's to do with aliens. Like, Like, I think there's an episode in episode in series two where it's all about like alien kind of abduction. And it's pretty much, I think, like a parody of, x-files which until recently i hadn't seen um but it's still a really good episode so i think they make sure that it stands alone without the references and the references are like a cool extra layer for the people in the know like the cool kids in the club kind of thing but you don't have to be they're like in jokes that you don't it that you're still a part of like you're still invited Mm in carl are the references too niche uh, I, f- I find it a hard question to answer because I mean I am a I am a nerd and because I'm <laughs> such a nerd I'm unable to empathise with people who aren't nerds. Um, so what is it like to watch this through you know the eyes of someone who is not very obsessive about you know 
sci-fi films and comic books and video games. I mean, maybe there's enough to keep you going and maybe they pick their references carefully so that, you know, you kind of get what the what they're going for, even if you don't know it, like the, the Magnificent Seven thing. I mean, you know, it's if you haven't seen the film, you don't know the music. It's still like this heroic mm. music. Like he's playing the hero. Mm. Um, but then there's things like there's a bit where you see the view through the freezer <laughs> into the room. Mm. And I can imagine that if you don't know that they're trying to go for 2001, you think, okay, what's going on here? And he, he start, yeah, because like Tim starts singing Daisy Daisy, which is very specific for 2001. You think, okay, well, what's that about? Um, so, yeah, I can imagine that. And, and in, in series two, like there's a whole episode revolving around the fact that Tim is like in deep, deep trauma about the Phantom Menace. <laughs> And if you've never seen the Phantom, I was just about to say earlier, and I held my tongue. I was about to say we don't even need episode one. It's not the only one we don't need. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I can imagine that it's um, it it is niche. It's proud to be niche, but Mm. you know, um, if you've got a friend who just doesn't care about you know video games, movies, and nerdy stuff, they're probably not going to go for it. I call bullshit. Because, oh. <laughs> because it's I didn't know. It's called objection, not bullshit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> order, bullshit. order, order. <laughs> it was I a bit brash. Can we be? Can we be? Yeah. Can we be civil here, please? <laughs> I was going to say that uh, I didn't know any of those references, none of which you speak of. I mean, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I love Marvel. Um, dabble in DC, questionable, depending on the day depending on the character. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm nerdy about a lot of things, but I'm not particularly nerdy about those things. I'm, I don't know 2001. I don't know. Mm. Um, I don't know Magnificent Seven. Um, but at the same time, all of the, all of the ways that they were used, I think were still um, positive. They were still, they were still valid choices. Mm. They still aided to, um, you know, the actual, they didn't detract from the episode, basically. There was no, um, there was no part of me that paused and thought, wait, what was that? Um, It was just, you know, whether there was, for instance, the Magnificent Seven song, I guess, Flourish, if you will. Um, Yeah, there was no part of me that paused and thought, wait, why are they playing that music? It was completely on point, tone appropriate, uh, filled the space that they needed to fill, did, did the job that they needed it to do. Um, and it is, like Jade said, it's just a nice little layer. It's just a nice little nod. Because even of the time, me being a bit more nerdy now, I would recognize a lot more references. But even back then, being younger and being very much not nerdy, um, I still would have enjoyed the show and still would have thought they were quite cool. Mm. Mm. Hi, Mike. Tim. Hello. Oh, hi. We're looking for the party. Uh, yeah, well, come on in. <laughs> Are you Amber's dad? It's <laughs> upstairs. I think you might have missed the puppet show, though. Fuck off! What did you say? I said fuck off. I know what they said, Mike. Jade, tell us about Act 3. Right, so Act 3, and yeah, I wasn't really sure where, where Act 2 finished and Act 3 began, but... Basically, they're at the party. They're having the party. Um, some of 
like their friends come so twist comes who is like extremely mean but daisy just like puts up with it (laughs) mike comes who's very like blunt and to the point but like um just like cares about security and being a ta (laughs) marsha comes down and some of Amber's so Amber's having a party upstairs some of her friends arrive um and then like have a bit of an interaction with Tim and go upstairs um and they I didn't notice this uh when I first watched it because I was probably their age but watching it now I did not realize how young they looked and it is a little bit grim because they are like extremely young and Tim's all like oh hi until they like basically say he looks like amber's dad and then he gets annoyed (laughs) with them but then because i was feeling a bit that's a bit weird but then later on when daisy has invited the paper boy around he Mm -hmm. also looks a similar age so (laughs) i mean it's it's grim but it's both grim from both daisy and tim act grim in this episode um there's a very funny bit as well um where he offers her a mint but she thinks it's a pill and this (laughs) like she goes go on then I'll have a half I'll have a half and then it's a mint yeah half a mint (laughs) and it just makes me laugh so much that like often I'll just like say that to people if they like offer me like a mint or something like that um but yeah and then to wrap it up like Tim and Mike go upstairs to Amber's party and they basically come down later and everyone except for Marsha and the paperboy goes to the magical world of Amber's party where there's teenage girls Caitlin, That's would it. you share? Would you uh, share a mint with somebody with a stranger? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I'm like trying to think. It's not the question of would or wouldn't I. To validate that, I was almost thinking of like, surely I've done something worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, to save your blushes, oh, I definitely have. <laughs> to save yeah, your definitely. blushes, what what are your highlights of Act Three? I'm sorry that I don't know exactly what the line is at the moment. Um, but I did write this down because it brought me joy. There's a point where like somebody says like, <laughs> oh, we're having a good time. Or like, are you having a good time? And then the sound is just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's basically like the sound of tumbleweed. It's exactly what I said. I said to, uh, I said to Clint on the couch, I was like, why, why didn't they add a tumbleweed? <laughs> like we could have done with a tumbleweed. So I think that's my criticism of act and maybe just the episode is <laughs> you gotta have a tumbleweed <laughs> when one can tumbleweed one should always tumbleweed <laughs> uh yeah paper boy i did like the aspect of the paper boy but i didn't get that he was the paper boy until they said it i thought i was like what's this kid in high viz doing i thought he was like a, <laughs> a bin man because <laughs> yeah, he's got his like paper boy bag around his but i don't know if you noticed that but he's got like a bag yeah. around him his whole time which is like his little thing of paper boy stuff but that guy here well he is actually in i mentioned about ricky gervais talking about his thing he's in afterlife but that guy used to pop is up in loads of from? he's in everything he pops up in black no. books as two characters in the same episode which is so funny <laughs> his he's name is well. tony way and he's in, yeah, like you say, he's in everything. And his, his Twitter name is that bloke off the telly. <laughs> well, hey, he so knows his stuff. brand, doesn't he? He has, he has such a great face. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Made for comedy. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those people that doesn't have to really do much. Mm. Oh, I've just remembered that episode of Black Books. Because he's like, 
it's uh, it's the episode where um, Dylan Moran he he kind of goes out, doesn't he? He never leaves the bookshop normally, <laughs> but he goes out. He's forced out, and he goes to like the cinema. Mm. The, the the guy behind the counter is Tony Way, and he goes to buy a burger, and the guy behind the counter is Tony yeah, Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what? <laughs> it's the same face, like, would you, would you order, please? <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, it's oh. quite cool seeing people like pop up, like as you watch more and more of this. Um, uh series like there's so many people like reese shearsmith pops up um peter serafinowicz is in it um yeah. david walliams and it's so cool seeing these people just like pop up that like went on to be massive yeah 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 uh, carl what do, what do you reckon of act three well like we've already said um it's hard to know where it begins the act three because like if you were if you were like you know following the rules of sitcom, Daisy would have to be trying to should have a plan with a specific goal, and it would have to fail, and she would spend Act Three trying to rescue some you know rescue the situation. It would all fall apart. Um, but it, it's not really she doesn't have a definite plan, and it doesn't definitely fall apart. It's mm. just the party kind of just fizzles out, and she gives up. And it kind of reminded me of, an, you know, when you think of space, you think of this dynamic show that goes, you know, all the different transitions. And I thought it's a little bit royal family, this episode. They're kind of sat around being bored, you know, trying to pass the time. And in fact, there's an episode of Royal Family where they have a party, you know, Anthony's 18th birthday. And that's quite, that's more dynamic than this episode <laughs> of <laughs> space, actually. Um but yeah, um, it's it's kind of like Act Two. This is good stuff in it, and it's nice to see Tony Way <laughs> and um... pick up his paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question for everybody: Is it a satisfying ending? I mean, I would say it is because they end up having a fun night, and also they're like, I mean, at the time when I first watched it, they were like, "Oh, they're mid twenties," and now I'm like, "You're mid twenties, like." Why would you have such a dull party in your mid twenties? So it's like the party that they're going. Why would go- you have such a dull party in your twenties? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise they sounded like someone from Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Mary Poppins of partying. Yeah, the Mary Poppins of podcasts. Um, but yeah, like. The party that they go to is the kind of party that I was going to when I was their age. So it's kind of weird to me now looking back. But at the time, I thought nothing of it because it was like, ooh, they're so much older kind of thing. Um, So I'm glad that they went to a better party. And I'm also mainly glad that Brian gets away from Marsha because, I mean, she's such a funny character, but she is quite intense to him. Aileen, a satisfying ending for yourself? Uh, although I am the defense, <laughs> I am going to say that that last, the last little bit when they, you know, throw the sunglasses on, go up to the party, I get it, but I, there's still a part of me that was like, do I need to have seen this reference to truly appreciate it? It's the only bit that I actually questioned because 
I enjoyed it. And I like that they all kind of band together and go, but given that that's the goal that they were all after the entire episode to technically attain that goal, but then us not actually see it pay off. I almost wonder if, if there wasn't another laugh to be had by them going, they could still have that same ending of, you know, sunglasses, bright lights, uh, you know, beamed up, if you will, uh, to the party. And there could still be another button at the end of something yeah. happening. It could have been they... all the girls being like, oh, like you're so old or somebody like, oh, like, why are you here <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's room for another button there. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't do it, to be honest. I think Simon yeah, Pegg could have realized that the party downstairs was better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. A, or they a, could have gotten up there and they would have all been listening to the time warp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine a, like the producer saying, okay, there needs to be a reason or an obstacle blocking them from going to the party upstairs that they have to overcome. Something like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, the resolution is, oh, they just decide to go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I also don't actually yeah, believe that they would be allowed in the party. Like, <laughs> how how the girls reacted to, like, Simon Pegg. I just imagine that they'd be like, oh, no, you're not allowed at this party kind of thing. Like, really, like, <laughs> condescending, like, like teen. Yeah. Girl, like, oh, no, uh, you're not allowed in kind of thing. Um, because even though they're so much younger than Marsha, or well, so much, or if, like, maybe, like, 20 years younger than Marsha, like in Amber's eyes, they're all the same age, you know, they're all old, you know, even yeah, though they're in their twenties. You were a teen girl once. What was it like when you were whatever, like sixteen, seventeen, and like older older boys came? Yeah, to be fair, we used to I mean, I wasn't quite that young, but when I was at um uni, there was like this guy who just like lived in the town that always used to come to our party his name was Wayne and he had like <laughs> it's always Cross, Wayne Crossing, <laughs> it's always Wayne. and he always was at every single party well actually he was at every party that one of my particular friends had because she always she was she always invited these random people to parties they were always like older men as well um <laughs> and yeah we didn't like kick him away we didn't like tell him to go so yeah no you're right that's true I mean this used to really piss me off when I was 16 and I was like desperately trying to get off with a 16 year old girl. And they were all in tri- They were all going off with guys who were like four or five years older and they had a car and they worked in a garage. So they <laughs> yeah, were like always really in a garage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And then I, then I, then like I got to these guys' age, like four or five years later, I thought, you sad bastards. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. At the time, like, we didn't realize <laughs> how sad yeah. they were. Do you want mum? They're not. Go on then, go on then. I'll have a half. I'll have a half. They're mint. Yeah, so let's finish with the closing arguments. So I'm going to start with yourself, Jade. Why do you think this episode succinctly uh, is the best episode to come to? Yeah, so I think that this is the best episode to come to because even though, yes, I definitely admit there are other episodes which maybe are a little bit more fast paced and um, all right, and also outside the flat and everything, I do think that this is the best episode for someone to be shown to get them into space because, like we mentioned, it really introduces all the characters, it introduces the whole premise of the show in like a minute, um, and also it 
it is all set in the flat, which it, I think it, like the flat itself is such a cult. It like it's such a cult setting now. Like it's such a iconic setting for like British sitcom that for a first episode, like it's almost like a character in itself. And while um, it's not like friends where it's just in basically just in the flats or the coffee shop space does go off to other places you know to different workplaces and stuff like that as a first episode I think it just shows everything really well and you just like get it like that and also ultimately it's a funny episode there's loads of laugh out loud bits in it uh yeah my biggest thing with this I'm coming back to is just the fact that it could serve as the pilot I think that in and of itself says why it's such a great episode for the show so even what it lacks in terms of you know your usual framework and structure and escalation for your average sitcom um it gains in the actual like definition of the premise the setting of the tone the introduction of the characters there's great one-liners um there's really swift cuts uh really swift um changes of shots as well and like it's just such a diverse range of like paint that's thrown at the canvas but that also reflects the show itself so I think it sets you up to understand all of the aspects of space that make it spaced so even the fact that there's nerdy elements but that they're kind of a broad brush stroke over the top that's just kind of like a ding bonus point if you get it and an additional chuckle but if you don't that's that will make you laugh other ways but they still should have had a damn tumbleweed. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Carl? Uh, well, so I'm trying to, I'm being the prosecution. But so to be fair, um, it gets the characters of the show off to a good start. Um, it really gives them space to play and show off you know, what they're like. Um, it would it would have been nice to give at least some of them you know, some story to go with that. You know, so like for example, Mike doesn't really have anything to do apart from stand next to the door. <laughs> but still, it's nice. It's nice that he gets a look in. I mean, normally, I guess you would have introduced Mike and give him a maybe a B plot on his own. You know, but anyway, um, if my memory serves right, it, it establishes the tone better than the pilot episode, I think. Mm. Um, so that kind of the whole style of the show is more firmly established in this one. Um, and there's you know there's good interplay between all the cast, so that's all good. Um, but like I say, it doesn't give all the characters that much to do. It's a bit of a slow burn. Um, so I, I guess you'd call it a bottle episode in that they don't go anywhere, um, and it's really about their interaction that's that's the focus of the episode. And seeing as we're we're picking an episode to kind of introduce someone to the show. And I would say that the risk is that you might give a newcomer the impression that um, every episode is like this. Mm. And it's not. You know, when I think of other episodes, they, they always they'll, they'll go out into the world. They go to, you know, they, well, there's art shows they go to or there's um, paintballing and uh, mm. clubbing and things like that. And it's all um, and, and it, that really brings the style into its own you know mm. the, the real dynamism um so yeah i would i would worry about showing someone this as the first episode because i would worry that they would kind of they would think it was a bit downbeat when it's anything but really um 
So, yeah. And I think other episodes also follow the conventions uh, a little bit closer, you know, with Act 1, you know, quickly set things up, Act 2, escalate, Act 3, something all falls apart, they have to rescue the situation, and so on and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So that's my argument for it. Against it, I should say. <laughs> I would say just as a and follow on from that if people are feeling like that about this episode i definitely definitely say that the clubbing episode is also a brilliant one because that's the other one i was going to pick for two reasons one there is a b plot about how someone well how brian really hates the song come on eileen because he got beaten <laughs> up to it when he used to dress like a dexie's midnight runner which is brilliant that's and also amazing. you meet tires who is like an amazing character and that is kind of why I wanted to pick that episode because I did want to pick an episode with tires in because even though he <laughs> turns up in two episodes, he's this brilliant character. Um, so yeah, that would be my other recommendation. Having a good time, aren't you? Before I make the final decision, just a little a little teaser. Um, what what do you think? What is the nerdiest fact that you possess? <laughs> Why don't I say, okay, there are four facts and you can pick one based on what they're about. One is about Super Mario. One is about nuclear weapons. One is about Quentin Tarantino. And one is about um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm -hmm. And I think the person, let's say that um, the person making the argument for the, for the episode can choose. That's Jade. What was the first one? Oh, Super Mario. Um, it's between him or Snow White. Let's say Snow White. I'm interested to hear a nerdy fact about Snow White. Snow White. Okay, so before uh, settling on the names of the seven dwarves, Disney considered the names Chesty, Tubby, <laughs> Burpee, Deffy, Hickey, Wheezy, and Awful. <laughs> what would Chesty have been? Just like... A massive pair of tits. It? <laughs> yeah, dwarf with massive tits. <laughs> Chesty. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Hi ho. Hi -ho. <laughs> that's great. That is good. Can 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 we name the seven dwarfs? Ooh. Doc. Uh, Doc. Sleepy. sleepy sneezy. Grumpy. Bashful. Bashful. Is there a lazy? No, it's not sleepy. Uh, happy. It's happy. No. So we've got six. Uh, creepy. No, there's no creepy. <laughs> Chesty. Chesty. Oh, grumpy. <laughs> grumpy. No, I said grumpy. Oh. Nobby. Tubby. Oh, I, know, I used to know these all in order. I, I'm upset with myself. Dark, now. bashful, happy, grumpy, sneezy, dopey. 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 Oh, and he's and happy. Uh, Cool. Very good. I think that was that was so that was suitably nerdy. I have a fact about Edgar Wright. Well, it's not really a fact, but it's just a thing. <laughs> it's a statement, I suppose. Um, but you know, you were talking about Baby Driver before. So Baby Driver, the film, the open the whole idea for Baby Driver came from when Edgar Wright directed the music video for a song by a band called Blue Royale. Uh, no, Mint Royale, the song's called Blue, sorry. Mint Royale, the song's called Blue. And in it, Mark Heap and someone else are playing bank robbers and Dave and Noel Fielding is um, the getaway driver and he puts the song on and he dances around to it and then that's like the music video and that inspired Baby Driver. 
And in Baby Driver, <laughs> when he's watching the TV at some point, he changes his channel and the music video comes on briefly. That's very good. Yeah. That's my Edgar Wright fact. Do you think Noel Fielding's pissed that he didn't get the part? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> That's so funny to imagine that whole film, but just with Noel Fielding <laughs> instead. <laughs> Caitlin, do you possess possess a nerdy fact? Yes. Uh, this is actually just, uh, I think it's my favorite one. I only learned this about a year or two ago uh, doing social media for my company and they wanted me to write these silly, uh, you know, fun facts, nerdy post things. So uh, the mask from Halloween, the Michael Myers mask, is actually a Captain Kirk mask that was uh, that Lee Wallace had bought for like a couple bucks on uh, Hollywood Boulevard and then ended just cutting it up and then using it for the film but the problem with that is that now i can't unsee it yeah <laughs> you you google it now look for if you, you know, look back you'll mask. see you'll be like oh caitlin you ruined this you, for can, me. you can see exactly that it's a, it's a <laughs> william shatner mask. the only reason why i brought this up is just so i don't have to be alone yeah. <laughs> emotional <laughs> destruction <laughs> i think it would have been funny if william shatner went up to space in the halloween mask <laughs> <laughs> You are making a mockery of this court. A hundred percent, yes. As most Americans do. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to initially what Jade's job was, which was to best showcase, uh, to pick an episode that best showcases uh, the program space. And I believe that this particular episode ticks a lot of those boxes. So it introduces the characters uh, excellently. The style is very evident and the premise. And regardless of whether you've seen the, 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 the uh, pilot, you could quite easily rock up at this episode and, and watch away. Uh, it's not the most necessarily the most dramatic episode, um, but it simmers nicely like a lovely stew. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I believe that it works without the references. I didn't know all of the references, but I was familiar with some of them. So, for example, the the marvelous seven music. Um, subconsciously, I knew that reference, but I didn't know I didn't know the kind of specific reference. So, I agree with Carl that it kind of lacks uh, lacks framework in in terms of a particular. Uh, sitcom in terms of your first goal and your action mm. but ultimately is it satisfactory yes it is oh, like, <laughs> I am going to rule in your favour um, yeah and I, I really agree with what you guys said before about the, the pilot episode this mm. could really work as a pilot and it's I love how the first you know couple of interactions tell you exactly what what, what the premise of the show is mm. so mm. i think it's a strong one to start on you know you can come to this episode new mm. and that is my ruling Woo-hoo, Woo-hoo. victorious victorious Woo-hoo. well done everybody it's a party it's just a laugh it's not a laugh 
It's not even a party. Daisy, there'll be a time for dips, okay? But this isn't it. He's right, Daisy. There's nothing for us here anymore. Join us. Yes, come on, Daisy. Join us.